All right, here we are. We're live. We're doing the thing. Um, officially official. The unedited hosts only episode 13, the half marathon, the half lucky number. Yeah, well, when we get to 26, Randy, it's only you on the episode. It's just you alone. Yeah, because I'll be passed out on the side of the road. Exactly. David and I would have died <laughs> well before the 26 mile. So. Well, in the year 2021, I also probably would have died. Uh, it's pretty grim. Wow. Okay. Uh, starting off on a light note here, dying during long distance runs. Although it isn't that the whole thing. The guy who accidentally invented the marathon by running to marathon died. I think you're correct. Yeah. So the marathon was a death race at its inception, actually. Very cool, honestly. Wait, we have medical records all the way back to the ancient Greeks when they invented the marathon? Well, I think people just wrote that down or made an oral history of it. So it's, you know, as accurate as Zeus turning into a swan and being problematic. Mm. Um, things like that. The sirens... Etc. Just a good old allegory, you know? I was thinking about Pericles' funeral oration today. What a, a bop in a jam. Uh, if anyone ever took any modern political theory classes, Pericles' funeral oration. Uh, Athens is famous. Are we the bad guys? Or I guess are, are we just losers more? Which is, I think, a question every, every group of... of Dudes rocking in togas has to stop and ask themselves periodically, are we the losers? Um, I thought you said Hercules, and that made me think of the Disney-themed Peloton ride I did yesterday. Go on. There's not much more to say. Oh, is there not much more to say, Ryan? Well, we could talk about consumer trends in 2020-2021 of... Everybody buying an exercise bike and realizing that now that they can go to studio workout classes again, why do I have this piece of metal in the corner of my apartment? But Well, I, I think this is a fascinating consumer culture thing. Disney crossing over with Peloton, it's like a it's like a management consulting brief wet dream all in one sentence. Uh, intellectual property, cross network intellectual property mixing, uh Fitness as a service. What what was this Hercules themed ride? Well, it wasn't Hercules themed. It was Disney animated film, which got my ear because of some of my favorite recent classics like Frozen and Moana. Um, but they played a song, and I was like, "What is this from?" Turns out it's from Hercules, which I don't think I've ever actually seen. But this is on my mind because I was thinking yesterday about how I had never seen that movie. Was yeah. it Go the Distance it was by Michael Bolton? <laughs> yeah. Wait, that's by Michael Bolton? Well, yeah. that was in the era when uh, Disney would uh, do their have their like their main song also sung uh, by like a, a celebrity. Uh, yeah. I think that Tarzan kind of started. Phil Collins. Well, that's almost completely different. Not to get too like musical theater kind of nerdy, uh, but. Technically, Tarzan isn't uh, a, a musical like all the rest of the Disney uh, animated on. films are. It's because no one in um, 
Well, only like one character, I think, at any point in time in Disney's Tarzan actually is singing and the rest is the narrator um, singing. So it's not it's not really like you would see like in Beauty and the Beast or, um, you know, Lion King and those kind of things. What did you say your mattress was in, David? Uh, it's in journalism and mass communication. Not musical theater? No, not at all. I did I... go to school on a musical scholarship, though, uh, initially for, for undergrad. Uh, that was very short-lived. Um, but we don't have to talk about that. Why was it short-lived? Because uh, it sucked uh, <laughs> a lot. <laughs> I also imagined Ryan writing Peloton in the video. is like Disney musical, but then it cuts that clip of David explaining that Tarzan's not a musical. <laughs> and everyone's like trying to pedal, and they're like, wait, what? Like, I don't know, I'm not... I'm not so jazzed up to pedal hard right now. Like, this is interesting, but it's just some guy explaining to me that it's actually always the narrator. Like, what the hell? Yeah, we just confuse you into pedaling more to get away from this very strange uh, you know, ex- explanation. Yeah, the faster on... you pedal, the faster you speed up this guy talking about yeah. whatever. That's an interesting, interesting concept for them. I know some people listen to podcasts at the gym, which means there are absolutely people listening to like a lab and it's just liars being like, which there's no president for at all. And you're just like lifting like, Oh, cool courts. So I've never understood. And I know plenty of people who do this, but I've never understood the podcast while working out people. Can you imagine anyone listening to this while working out? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> those Maybe poor souls title your new your perfect workout playlist episode 13 the workout jams <laughs> <laughs> nothing nothing but heart pumping 160 bpm podcast madness and then we pipe in some <laughs> disney songs like mulan i'll make a man out of you <laughs> but simultaneously that's just played underneath quietly david's explanation of what really <laughs> constitutes a musical Someone actually hey. dies at the gym while listening because of it. <laughs> they just yeah. drop weight on their head themselves. It just it just shatters the the reality that they thought they knew. Guys trying to set a new personal record on the deadlift and just like here's the Tarzan is it technically a musical? It just like destroys his body. Uh, that's that's pretty exciting. Um, okay, so Disney through Peloton rides. I can't wait till we can put ads in Peloton rides. Can you already do that? No, you can't. And for my thirty nine ninety nine a month, I better not have to see an ad. They might Hulu you and make it eighty a month to get no ads. <laughs> Forty dollars. <laughs> what are you even paying for? <laughs> and you'll get oh. the same ad every ride. Every ride. And then it's like, <laughs> oh, you thought you were getting a rest? No, it's an ad read. <laughs> exactly. Imagine in the middle of my 30 minute ride, if it was like, oh, well, here's like a, a recovery, but it's a minute. It doesn't count towards the overall 30 minutes, but instead it's the instructor reading, doing a live read. Imagine if you can lock the water bottle slot on the Peloton bike and they can't <laughs> hydrate until after the ad. <laughs> Please don't give anyone this idea. Or it's like a like a built in like camelback system and like the, the pump in, in the bike like turns off. Um, water will begin flowing after a quick word from our sponsor. You know? Exactly. 
I'm going to like rename myself on LinkedIn, head of product at Peloton, and just start announcing all these feature ideas and like see how long it is before someone can stop me. Like, you know, just like the new Peloton piss seat. The seat you can piss on. No need for a bathroom break. Just go where you are. And other excellent Peloton products. Um, I'm sure they have one of those gated LinkedIn things where if I don't have an email address, I can't say I work at the company. But in a world where that wasn't true, you could imagine. I've never heard of that. Yeah, some some companies have problems with public image with people who like claiming to work there, and I think there's little features that like you can prevent people from creating new accounts. I mean, Google places Lee has claimed to work on LinkedIn. <laughs> I mean, if, if if I were trying to lie, I'd lie and make things much more impressive. Uh, I just did the first like employment history background check thing where I had to uh, denote a place I worked is now out of business. Uh, thanks, thanks, Ignition One. Um, and then the form wanted me to like upload a W two from that era, like from that company, to like because they couldn't contact them. And I was like, no, no, like what? <laughs> it's not an appropriate amount of background checking for one freelance job. Yeah, that's a ton of like employment verification um, for something that would be considered, for you know, the, a freelance contract. So. Hopefully you get it. Hopefully all that paperwork wasn't in vain. Yeah, I, I hope I get it too. Uh, I, I love to do job, um, <laughs> which is the main theme of this podcast. Job, <laughs> job is so good. <laughs> job do good. <laughs> uh, Got to keep printing those rent tickets. Although I live in my parents' basement, so I don't know why I think I have to keep printing those rent tickets. Uh, what, what are we talking about today? Well, you know, I think we've talked a lot about this particular topic on a few of our podcasts, and I don't think any of us have really put our flag in the ground in terms of where each of us potentially, you know, stand on this topic, or if we could maybe come to cons- consensus as a, as a podcast unit. Um, but I think it would be good to kind of talk about privacy a little bit. I agree. Like the privacy of the fact that I don't have blinds on my window in my New York City apartment or... Yeah, are we talking about full voyeurism here? Uh, Like that certain infamous apartment across from the original Floor 9 uh, Hudson Yards Vayner office? With the... um, Ugly naked guy? Yeah, yeah. Slash the couple that clearly were trying to do a matinee show. On Fridays, um, actively for a while, or just just phone privacy. Well, I I think we should probably stick more towards phone privacy. I mean, I I think that we would need to spin off maybe a whole another podcast to talk about, you know, what you can see through the windows in New York City skyline, um, you know, office buildings that overlook what apartments. You're saying is that's episode sixty nine. Yes. Yeah, yeah, I think I think that's the perfect perfect place for it. If we make Where, it to that episode, we'll talk about it. Okay, this is our commitment. If we make it to episode sixty nine, it will literally be titled "Getting It." And the start will literally be like, we will literally just revisit this moment 
of talking about leaving leaving your blinds down at all time in New York City and just, you know, becoming famous slash infamous. Um, yeah, but, yeah but, I think I think that's a good plan. But let's let's for this sake, let's dive into discussing, you know, like the general stance and how we feel about uh, online digital privacy for, you know, advertising and, you know, having your data either exploited or leveraged in a meaningful and beneficial uh, way um, that brands can use. Like, um, I, I don't know, I'll kind of just kick it off as someone that's, you know, been doing this for, for a while and have been very like accustomed to a free internet and understanding that ads um, makes the wheel go round. Um, and I really don't have a, a ton of um, preference um, or, or like worry about, um, you know, my internet, like browsing behavior and, you know, um, mobile ad IDs kind of being like passed around in terms of like my, what I've been viewing as a product. Um, but with that being said, uh, when 14.5 came out, I downloaded it and I immediately just like turned everything off just to kind of, I don't know, gum up the wheels a little bit on, on some things. And I actually just wanted to kind of see what it would look like. And I actually wanted to see what kind of ads I would be receiving, um, kind of once I, once I turned everything kind of off. Um, so I don't know. I personally don't think that like internet privacy like is is that in, invasive uh just in terms of like what you're doing i think what's still probably the most invasive thing is i will 100 believe that facebook is using your microphone and listening to stuff that you're talking to, about um i think that's way i think that is probably what makes people think that tracking is way worse than it is um just in terms of you'll be talking about a product and then all of a sudden you'll see an ad for it. There is no ad technology that is absolutely that good without some sort of microphone, you know, enhancement or, or you know, tampering with or some capacity. Maybe I'm just an absolutely like tinfoil hat wearer on this, but um, that's kind of that's kind of like how I see it, kind of always like viewed it. Oh, major publications have done total absolute like. I'm going to say like purple long socks, like which I've never looked at or thought about before uh, and things like that into the phone. And uh, I was an early doubter, but it was fully just made a fool of because um, that is definitely going on. Wait, didn't you um, weren't you in a bunch of meetings at one point in time and you were using some some acronym? And you received an ad for that acronym, which ends up being like a home security. Oh my you were god! You tell me the story. That's right. That was my big turning point. I forget. I forget what it was. It was some sort of like acronym that had one pretty narrow use in digital marketing. Like it, we're not talking about like um, you know, it was cost per install, wasn't it? It was like CPI. Yeah, right? it was, I think it was CPI. Yeah. And I said CPI a lot. And I got like certified performance industries, CPI, like driveway sealant ads. And I was like, oh my God. Yeah. Like what, what an expose. Like I, like there's no way that you can say I should see driveway sealant through modeling in any particular way for any reason. And I kept saying like CPI. Yeah. It was something like that. And it was just so absurd. It, it was a an ad that could only be connected to something I had said a bunch 
and in no other way could be connected to me through any sort of predictive modeling. Yeah, that was that was insane. I forgot about that. Yeah, I think I remember when you were telling me about it. Um, you think you were also mentioning like we were just like we went on this we we went deep on it, and when it, you were talking about like. You looked into this company and they, they were they were based out of like Florida or some like complete different like geo than, than where you were. And so we're like, this is something for like homeowners. This is something for someone in Florida. This is not anything that you've particularly searched for yourself. And then all of a sudden, like you're receiving this ad um, and it like just it doesn't match and it doesn't make sense. Um, and I think I think that is what's giving this Internet privacy like a bad rap. Uh, and I think that's like my, um, that's my flag in the ground. Like, I don't think as you go and look at products or you go visit web pages or you read certain content and you're categorized in, into certain interest or some contextual, you know, bucket of some kind of things. Like, I don't think that's like a, a, a big deal um, because a lot of times that's funding, um, you know, journalism and like and free information exchanges and those kind of things, which is great and something that I think is is massively important. But when these platforms, you know, tap into to your microphone or, or those kind of things, like that is the invasion of privacy. Not that you've gone across the internet and like looked at a handful of things or clicked on an ad or two before, um, or you know, even like went to a store page and, and looked at a PDP or a grid wall in particular and have then been retargeted. I don't think any of that is, is a problem at all, uh, especially if they take that information and they say, well, we need to give this person like a coupon code or a discount offer, those kind of things based off of like what they've seen. Well, maybe this finally explains why I was getting all those Chase Sapphire ads while working on Chase Sapphire, but making $40,000 a year instead of the minimum 150K that we had put into the platform. Yeah. And so then like, I think then there should be a lot more scrutiny like on the platforms to do that. You know, if you're going to leverage that uh, as a signal, and then we also put in like household income, like, you know, that, that, that's a, that's a disconnect. Yeah. They're not doing what, what we set them up to do. To your, to your latter point, like to me, I don't know, I'm a garbage millennial. I'd rather see an ad for something that I am interested in. And I mean, I'm not going to lie and say I haven't bought dozens of things off of an Instagram ad that is rel I did it yesterday. I bought some jewelry off of an Instagram ad because I was like, wow, I've been wanting rings from this company. Oh my gosh, everything's 50% off, like $12 for this one thing I want. Excellent. Like perfect timing. Send me the ad. Great. Convert. Um, but it is the weird part where, you know, how much of it is like expressed intent versus like internalized intent, which I think is what then weirds people out. But, and then I think the second part of it is the kind of generational gap or even the industry gap of like, we know how it works. We know how technically like it can work in a, you know, not super, super creepy way, but like people like my parents don't necessarily understand that and don't necessarily appreciate the fact that the shoes they looked at at Nordstrom are following them around the internet. I take it as a sign that I really need to buy the shoes. So I think it's helpful. It's a good reminder, right? <laughs> Oh yeah, I was gonna waste money on something like this. Hey, it's not Thank you for reminding me. 
Yeah. Well, I have to have the conversation with with my dad. Um, he was just getting so fed up with uh, the ads on on Facebook. Uh, and he just was like, how do I stop the ads from showing up on, on my phone? Uh, and I decided to like kind of explain it to him in terms of like, Facebook is free for this very reason. Um, you know, and so they're going to do everything that they can to, to maximize, you know, um, the, the monetization or the profits for, for each of their, you know, active users, uh, that they're always going to try to squeeze more blood from the stone. Um, and so I think it's, it's for for that generation, um, and I think a lot of the lawmakers and, and those kind of things um, out there. It's like why a lot of this is potentially like coming up is like it's kind of semi foreign to them, uh, and it feels like a, a, an invasion of, of privacy. Um, but they'll happily accept uh, any direct mail, uh, you know, that comes to their house that knows exactly where they live. So well, it it makes me think, and and this is something that's stuck with me since. I'm, I'm going to butcher what episode it was, but David, when you were talking about the fact that like Facebook and other sorts of news feeds like that, all of a sudden are editorializing the things that you post and how the fact that that makes it different all of a sudden, um, like when we were talking about news and how, you know, you can blacklist certain sites, but all this, these platforms are, are the way they're kind of editorializing the content is making it a less neutral place than you might have thought it was. Yeah. And, and I think that they're not making like an editorial statement across the board. They're making editorial statements for each individual like newsfeed to keep you on the platform longer um, to, to, to put more ad slots in front of you. Um, you know, they're, they're really playing like the, the anti to, you know, to cognitive dissonance and like those kind of things. Like they want to keep showing you stuff that you already believe in. Uh, and as soon as they show you something counter to that, you'll just leave. Um, or you'll comment or, or something and then you'll keep getting a lot more of those um, types of uh, content as, as you've shown that you will, you're willing to engage um, with that type of stuff. So it's, it's a weird it's a weird place that they're that they're really in when you kind of really just sit back and like think about it. So, I think it's like a lot of things now, where certain people have more reason to be concerned than others. I think about um, the example that Mark from Adelaide used with like the existing capability and the occurrence of people geofencing abortion clinics for varying reasons. You know, you can go any direction with that. And then, of course, I also think of, you know, I, I consider myself, I, I guess I have two stances. I'm not worried about me and my digital privacy in general. So, yeah, you know, I have an Android phone and I, I do what I, I do and do as I may online and everything. But I, I realize that's not as applicable to everyone. Um, I'm occasionally reminded that there are still people who like, you know, have jobs that are contingent on certain things that I think would be a little surprising to be contingent on in the year 2021, but they are. And some of those things can be disrupted by it being established that you've done certain things that show up in a digital footprint. Um, and then I also think about my, my favorite example of the situation where um you know, some it's it's dangerous to look at something and say, well, I don't have anything to worry about 
um, slash, you know, if you don't do this, this or that, you have nothing to worry about. And what's changed in the long time I've been talking about this is now there's a movie about Richard Jewell. I haven't actually watched it, but um, my my Richard Jewell anecdote is that uh, Richard Jewell is actually a football coach at like the local youth league I played in. Uh, and when the FBI raided his house and like cataloged everything and then leaked it because they're fucking clowns and they you know can't keep track of laptops or anything and if the FBI knows something about you like probably so does every foreign intelligence agency or just like curious teenagers uh, who like to break into things on the internet um, he quote had pornography which probably just meant he like had Playboy magazines or something and this like got out and of course, because like parents are parents, like he was banned from coaching football because he like had pornography at his house. Um, so it's just a classic. It's like, yeah, I have like Playboy. That's pretty normal. Like what could go wrong? People can know everything about your life. And then you're like wildly a bombing is pinned on you and the FBI like accidentally publicizes that you have quote pornography. And well, not only have you had to go through being a, you know, weirdly like non-suspect in a, a crime but like your main hobby coaching football is now like blocked off to you um so you never know what wild circumstances that involve other people having your information can disrupt your life um and then in the debate about it in the kind of like ad world um one thing that drives me nuts is when people don't denote a sensible middle ground and in what information should be had about people and will like say that people want personalized ads to defend pretty wild stuff. Um, like some people do a good job of this and will point out like when everyone's like, well, some people like want people to have personalized data on them. They'll be like, people just want to not see 60 Hulu ads in a row, which like does not require an advanced personalized data set. Or they just like don't want to be shown ads for products that it literally makes like zero sense for them to ever need that are weird hyper-targeted things so yeah i think it's a, important to denote a middle ground especially now that i'm personally doing like more site experience stuff than ever before tied to data like when people are trying to craft a more meaningful site experience and looking at things that are like high impact and and will be good very rarely is it anything but like pretty basic non-pervasive data like, have they been to the site before or not? Are they in a geography where we have local stores or not? Which you can say, like, we want to collect data for a personalized site experience, but it's literally going to be like this and it's very simple. Whereas, like, some people will take the fact that people, I think, want to be shown ads that are, quote, personalized or relevant on a very basic level like not a wildly sophisticated level usually just like a normal like very little data required level and some people will defend the entire depths of the data industrial complex you know down into the mariana trench of pii in the name of personalized ads first being like look there's there's like a middle ground even the people who say they want personalized ads probably don't want their actual household income data like widely well, available and, and to david's point it's like the ones where i mean and i i i only rarely get 
direct mail at my apartment in New York because I've only lived here two years, whatever. But like today, I got a catalog from a competitor of a company I really like. And I was like, how did, and it was like, I flipped it over to see, does this say just to current resident? And it said, no, to Ryan Farley or current resident. How did this company get my address? You know, like to me, that is more alarming than like, oh, all of a sudden, like, yeah, I've been Googling running shoes and like Brooks is sending me an ad versus the ASICs I was looking up. I mean, that to me is like, all right, well, you know, you're wasting your money. I'm still going to buy the ASICs, but, you know, good on you for trying to find the right person who might be persuaded. Well, are we sponsored by ASICs now? I mean, we're clearly not sponsored by Brooks. We're definitely not. I Big ASICs gal. Noted. Um, yeah, it's it, the list rental and mailing is just, it's always been funny to me and like, strange yeah i mean maybe it's because i just don't know enough about it but to me it's like it's creepier if you know where i live versus like where i haunt the internet i mean yeah there's there's definite trigger points that that make more sense for people things about geography whether it's where you live or where you physically go i think Mm -hmm. there's a lot more resistance to that specifically i think there's a lot more resistance to household income in income related data um than most things but I, I still see some people just wanting to like, again, defend the whole practice of all marketing data collection, top to bottom, when I think at the very least, it's it's more sensible to admit things. Like, look, if you want people's household income data, like, just be like, okay, that's good for us. They probably don't love that. Like, yeah. just be honest about that one. Well, um, David, would you try to convince your dad to download 14.5 and allow tracking or no? Um, I think he's kind of, I think he was maybe more like against the, or maybe it could have been lessons from like from, uh, his grandfather or whatever, just in terms of like when the TV come, you know, when you're watching TV and you don't want the ad on, you can just like turn it off, mute it or or those kind of things. Um, and, and my dad tried to like use that same thread of logic in terms of well okay then that just means turn off your phone you know like in terms of like if you're using that 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 same kind of argument um i i don't know he gets in a tizzy um about about some things uh, pretty easily um you know I, I think at this point it's like i'd probably tell him to turn it off um but i'm just gonna be like your ads are just gonna be so ludicrous um, at, at a certain point. So, well, so speaking mm. of that, what ads have you seen since you downloaded 14.5 and elected to not be tracked? Cause I'm yet to download. So I need to be convinced one way or the other. Yeah. I mean, I'm, admit, probably... I'm curious, like you said, of what would happen if I said, don't track me. I think what's also interesting, um, before we get into that is like, you have the ability to have it like on, uh, or like allow tracking per app, mm-hmm. um, or you can just go into um, you know the the settings within Apple um, and, and completely turn it off um, ubiquitously across all apps. Um, that really doesn't like sever any like data to to Apple, um, and they tr- they claim that they don't track any of your you know mobile device IDs or any of those kind of things. Yeah. Um, and here I'll get. I'll, here's my other like tinfoil hat kind of thing. 
Uh, before you get into, I'll give you uh, the answer about the ads that I've uh, that I've seen. But I think that there's a lot of this um, that really comes as a um, a position for Apple to uh, control the, the data themselves. Uh, I again, tinfoil hat, not convinced that they don't have all of this data somewhere. Um, and that they are leveraging this data um, mostly to keep Facebook and other platforms or you know other things from from having it uh, because they're all in this space of where they're kind of racing to kind of catch up to a lot of Chinese companies in terms of artificial intelligence because they don't have all of the data or uh, you know security um, to that data them- themselves or exclusivity. Um, you know I think that there's uh, a potential chance that like this is like a data um, uh, a data play outside and then it's it's guised in the world of um, of privacy uh, in terms of if we can keep Facebook and these other platforms from having more data to feed into their AI systems that, that they're building then our AI system will have more unique data that it can uh, process and then pu- push it faster and faster um, to um, to being a better product. But the ads that I've received, back to your other question, is I can't tell you a one. Um, they have been that um, unappealing or doesn't even like maybe I see them and I don't register it um, at all. Um, so I'm also probably maybe the worst people uh, to probably ask for that because I've just been so ad averse or I've trained myself to, to not see them. Um, because I, you know, do this kind of every day. Um, and so, yeah, I can't tell you one. I can get on my phone right now and find the first ad that I see. Maybe I'll announce it. Maybe I won't. Depends on what the- <laughs> live with David Shola. I think I, I love, um, and I do this just by saying every ad is bad on Twitter. Uh, people promote completely bonkers tweets. Like, Twitter makes it pretty easy and pushes pretty hard. Like, you can make people see this tweet. Like, so just everyday weirdos will run Twitter ads just for tweets they did. And the best way to get an awesome view of the most completely deranged ones on Twitter is just to say you don't want to see every brand ad you see anymore. So I've been doing that for a while. So I can tell you on Twitter, um, once you start degrading from their optimal ad experience, you also have a pretty you, – you come into a much – more incredible experience where you're seeing promoted tweets that are just like a joke that a completely deranged individual has written that is not very good, but they have decided to use money to force people to see. So are you speaking from experience? Yeah. I've, I've for years have been tapping every brand ad and hitting the, like, I don't like this ad thing. Oh, I mean and from the other side that you're the deranged person sending out the tweets. No, I mean, I already had the thing happen where Jordan Siegel bought me followers as a joke years ago. Um, I remember that. Yeah, like suddenly I had 10,000 followers and I was like, what the hell? And then like three months later, I was back to whatever I was before as bots got picked off um, slash they unfollowed. But yeah, so my account is already probably has a bad flag on Twitter. Um as a follower buying account or something. Um, that, that's a, it's a great prank, by the way. I appreciate it. Um, 
It's a very funny thing to do to someone. Um, but yeah, I no, I, I've never paid to promote one of my tweets. Uh, I, I, I live a, you know, I'm going to say that I'm the posters poster thing that people say about accounts that are not that popular. I'm the posters posters poster. So your favorite poster, their favorite poster, I'm their favorite poster, but I'm not really. Um, last year, one guy I've never met randomly retweeted me and was like, this was the tweet of the year. <laughs> and I was like, thank you, random one guy. <laughs> Wait, what was the tweet? Can you See, read uh, it's incredibly, like, it's so niche is why one guy loved it. Um, famous morose singer-songwriter Elliot Smith, who killed himself. His last release was collected as, quote, the basement tapes. And at one point, remember Joe Biden was campaigning and was like, I'm recording from my basement. And like the videos had like a weird computer background and they were like kind of putting people off. Do you guys remember this? Okay, well, th this was an election thing. He was recording from his basement. There was a weird background. There were weird effects. And it was like, and anyway, this big reporter tweeted like, can Joe Biden make it past the basement tapes? And I tweeted, geez, if Elliot Smith couldn't even make it past the basement tapes, what does Joe Biden have? And one guy was like, yes! <laughs> like, this guy's doing a joke about a barely popular cult folk singer who killed himself in Joe Biden crossover. Here we go. <laughs> uh... Kind of like the time I tweeted about how the star of the Amazon show Bosch has a tattoo referencing the Deftones album White Pony that like some of the Deadspin journalists got involved in. And at the end, a guy was like, who the hell watches Bosch and is really into the Deftones? And I was like, me and the two Deadspin writers on this thread, I guess, <laughs> is the answer. Three guys, but two of them are internet famous. <laughs> Anyway, that's the Lee Elliott's Twitter account in 2020 recap. Big, we'll see you again in 2022 for the yep. 2021 recap. Big things happening under a thousand followers. <laughs> anyway, privacy. So I'm still not convinced whether or not to... I mean, David didn't really do the not accepting tracking justice with the cool ads I could possibly receive. Actually, I just looked. All the ads are are pretty much normal. Uh, so I don't know if they have still like latent data. Um, Interesting. It's stuff you know. Well, I think from an menswear, yeah, it's like menswear, DDC, Adobe, Squarespace, Dick Sporting Goods. You know, just like a smattering of stuff that's like not so wildly the out smart, of smart sporty businessman. Yeah, but I'm not that. Sp 40 anymore those <laughs> days and those ligaments in my knee uh not as what they used to be uh and i just work a desk job i don't know how i degraded so much uh but it it happens quickly um so all you young listeners it happens get on that won't Peloton be ready for disney it. ride yeah yeah maybe that would have would have solved me um is you know that younger in life yeah, it turns out you can either get down to business or defeat the Huns. That Mulan song was lying. If you get really into business, you will become weak and soft, and the Huns will overrun your country. It is not oh. a both. 
It is not a both. That is Disney lying to you. I thought you were going to go just with like once you're like over 30, like there's no options. You just have to pick one because you can't do both. You just run out of energy. That's pretty true. I was actually on a call at my my previous agency job and I was like out of breath and I was like, yeah, sorry, I'm exercising. And someone was like, you're exercising on like a conference call? And I was like, well, look, I only get one life and I don't think MRM's coming to my funeral. So, yeah. And now that we're here, I really haven't been listening either because like who can actually like listen and like jog very slowly? Like... <laughs> So you Probably were only a... Yeah, no, I really was. No, I. What do you think? I was at my computer out of breath and was lying about exercising <laughs> to make it sound better. Yeah, Ooh, like okay. moved across the room too quickly. That's horrible, Ryan. Although I did tell someone we used to work with the other day, they caught me in the same situation, and they're like, "Wow, you are exercising." And I was like, "All right, move on." I didn't mean it like that, but like, I. You know, I haven't seen you in more than a year. Yeah, well, anyway. (laughs) What I'm saying, comma, Randy, is yes, I was actually exercising, not standing up too fast, as David said. (laughs) No, I said get across the room, not just the, the, (laughs) I got lightheaded now because I stood up too quickly. Oh, that that happens to everyone after a certain age, like... You want, a, you want a real thrill, like literally jump out of bed. <laughs> you know, that's, that's some real living on you the are, edge Yeah, stuff. I'll give you a head rush. Might, might concuss yourself on a nearby piece of furniture on the way to the ground. Uh, growing up is awesome. Um, plus, you get to talk about ad privacy. Cool. Cool. I mean, maybe we edit the podcast a little. Probably not, though, which means this is going in, too. (laughs) Meta narrative. Yeah. So, um, what else do we want to talk about? I have a funny joke. Man, no, that's not a funny joke. I can't believe I just said that. I just said I have a funny joke. Now you have to tell the joke. It's not a joke. Hey, I can't believe I just said I have a funny joke. That's like when you were a kid and you were camp, like the lamest counselor. Like that's what they would say. Like while you were like waiting in line for something, be like I have a funny joke, and you'd be like, "Okay, look, I'm only ten years old, but I know I know you're the loser counselor. <laughs> Don't tell me your joke." Um, no, it's a funny bullet we dodged. Uh, I really wanted on the dream guest list to try and get Jason Freed to come on the podcast. Um, and now he's just like, uh, he, he's on the outs with everyone for good reason with the whole base camp thing. Yeah. What's the, what's the story with that? So they banned all political discussion at the office in the real, the real, like some people have been like, well, what's like the real nail in the coffin? Hasn't that like always been the case? It came out the reason explicitly that that like caused this. It wasn't like someone was like, I have some real radical beliefs about not work, but just general politics. And I'm yelling about them. Apparently like some people at the, at the company were like officially saying that they would not like to be called by certain nicknames they had that had been given to them. 
and that was what triggered them being like, oh, no politics talk. <laughs> it's like, wait, what? <laughs> like, you, you had nicknames that people asked to not be called. And that's what apparently, like, precipitated, like, politics is invading the workplace. So it wasn't even, like, politics in the workplace, apparently. It was literally probably, like, Jason Freed had a bad nickname for someone that he was officially asked to stop calling them and was like, everything is ruined or something. Um, but also because they were always such a, like, I mean, they basically wrote a manifesto about how they worked and they were like, we have to change everything, like challenge the idea of your workplace. And then, you know, like, yeah. Then Jason Freed's hmm. like, I get to call anyone they want a nickname, and you can't have ideas here anymore. Thank you. <laughs> um, yeah, but that was on the dream guest list. But uh, Although I will say I started following him on Twitter because I was like, maybe one day we could have him on. And his tweets were pretty terrible in terms of like they made him seem like, like a real asshole. Um, hmm. One time he tweeted, like, it's almost never worth it being a CEO. And then spent the entire, like, people would just reply and he'd just be like, that's not what I was talking about. To, like, everyone and was, like, playing this childish game. Like, I'm going to tweet a phrase. And if you reply and you don't understand exactly what I was saying, I'm just going to reply. That's not what I was talking about. It was very weird. Like, uh, he actually seems like maybe a terrible guy. Uh, hmm. But Rework is still a great book. Uh, if anyone wants to read it. But yeah, that was that was maybe my number one top eventual dream guest, and uh, turns out he sucks. Yeah, well, I think I'll I'll add rework to to my list, especially to my list of unattended to Amazon Audible credits uh, that I've just amassed. Okay, I've done the uh, same thing. Don't feel bad. I must have gotten the same promo because I've been signed up for almost the same amount of time. And I have like eleven credits, and I'm like, yeah, I never listen. To I, audiobooks. I actually accidentally, or not accidentally, but I was trying to get a copy of this book. I was almost fin finished with reading last month. Tried to get an ebook, then I was like, maybe I'll get an audiobook. I'm gonna end up in the same place a few months from now, so I need to cancel that now. That they, was they take, a good reminder they take for me. They take a long time to listen to. Every audio book by... I'm not trying to be like, I'm a fast reader or something. I don't even know how fast I read anymore. But, like, it definitely takes me less time to read, I feel like. Because these audio books, I don't have time. Well, I'm a big... Dr like, I like to drive. Uh, and I then go on long, long road trips. And I think they're fantastic um, for that. Especially, like, I think audiobooks fit in the, the place, which is between... Um, I have so much to do and versus I have one single task that I just need something going on in the background. And maybe it's also the, the key is picking the, the right audiobook that you can always like follow the concepts while you potentially are doing other things. Um, but I think that's, that's what they allow you to do, whether you're commuting or, or driving or. Yeah. And I mean, Lee, to your point, it's like, if you're reading something out loud, you're spending more effort to read it than if you're reading it in your head, like, and. So I'm not saying you're not a fast reader, but that's not. So I, I could not be exercising. I could only be <laughs> lying about exercising to cover for the fact that I can't even walk briskly a short distance and I'm not a fast reader. 
<laughs> Got it. Got it. Oh, and, and I think she was also insinuating that when you read, you always read it out loud. <laughs> uh, I remember. Oh God, I remember an incredible tweet from days of yore, where a guy was like, "I'm at a swimming pool in Cabo San Lucas, and next to me, a guy is reading Tim Tebow's autobiography, sounding out all the words. So if you're looking for the smartest man on earth, <laughs> it's just like Did what a combo." Yeah, it was somewhere like that. It was basically like your standard like poolside Mexico beach destination, Tim Tebow autobiography, moving finger on page, sounding out words. So just Well, I'd like to thank our pressure. listeners for coming to the Lee Elliott roast of twenty twenty one. Kinda turned into that. I keep mentioning Tim Tebow to try and misdirect it towards a different target. Remember when he played double A for the Mets, you guys? Like yeah, it never sticks. No, it doesn't. Ugh. Can't wait, wait till really, how do you cancel Audible? That's my big question. So you have to go into to, look up its um, old tweets, but um, <laughs> get it? You know, like in 2012, it tweeted words. Did you buy it through your iPhone, Ryan? Probably. Your Audible. So if you go to your settings and then under your Apple ID, mm-hmm. it's Randy, in that first section. Read your Apple ID out loud for the listeners. I'm just kidding. Isn't My question is, I love dogs. One, two, three, four. Wow. Like, you even try to put your best foot forward in your password. Uh, my password is, I hate travel. Don't put this on my dating app bios. Oh, no. One, two, three, four. Um, You know what they say. It's always good to have a passphrase instead of a password. So that whole sentence is fantastic. Oh, yeah. I have a whole – all my passwords are on the same uncrackable weird phrase system. (laughs) Uh, And it works so well that I can like – a password from seven years ago, I can think about like what – I just based on what the website is, I'm like, oh, it's one of two things. (laughs) Like, here we go. What? So what is that phrase? Uh, I, I can't even describe to you the semantic basics of it. it. It's, it's too effective, but it would be too easy to crack if I did. Um, that was like, um, reminds me of the, um, all the documents that we had password protected for the Verizon days when we'd send out the, the scorecard or the, the head to head. And when I locked it, I locked it every time with this is a password as the password and no one ever figured it out. Password or, they one, never two, told three me. is I think the number one marketing document password. Yeah. Um, yeah. I've, I've, anyway. I've, I've become the person who, I mean, the next time someone steals my phone on a street in London, they'll have access to everything because I have a note a note on my phone that has my password to literally everything because I can't remember anything anymore. God, what's next? Your password is also encoded in like the hemoglobin of your blood. So if someone stabs you in Prague, they can medically analyze the knife. Mm, Don't tell all of our listeners that. (laughs) We're just going through crimes that have happened to Randy outside the country right now. For those of you listeners who don't know, Randy gets crimed really badly when she goes to Europe. Like, I admire her for getting back on the horse and that she keeps going back. Um, 
Americans she, can travel to Europe starting soon, so. We, they always talk about, you know, international criminals, and Ryan just happens to be our international victim. <laughs> Traveling around the world being targeted by by high-skill criminals. You um, think Hadley Boltrist. Hadley Boltrist oh, Day. Your nemesis. She's uh-huh. now your nemesis. What do you guys think is going to be big in advertising for 2021 now that we can all go outside again? I don't know what that has to do with advertising. Well, but... actually, I, I think it does. I think out of home and like digital, especially in cities, digital out of home, I think it's going to make a comeback. I'm not even being facetious. I really think that tradition, well, not all traditional media, but I do think that out of home and local type of advertising is going to make a comeback in this you know, cookie lesser world, not cookie less, but back to what Nicole was saying was, you know, we have to get back to the psychology of this. And like, if you're in a specific area, if you're in a specific genre, you need to find your people where they are. So you do. And man, people are going to be back to where they are. I went to possibly Atlanta's greatest bar, Mr. C's on Friday. Huh? The Claremont Lounge? No, I mean that's that's probably gonna be dead forever. Um, Mr. C is is, is uh, a longtime Atlanta institution. Um, I'm double Pfizer vaxxed. Okay, just putting that out there for everybody. That's why I did this. But uh, boy, I, I went to a real Atlanta classic local watering hole, and uh, it may as well have been 2015 in there. Um, like it was just like nothing ever happened. Yeah, uh, I'd love to see that. And before anyone gets too regionalist on me, I've seen some of the social media photos from New York. Uh, people are are basically, you know, tongue kissing in the streets everywhere. Uh, don't don't try and don't try and statify that. I've seen it. Yeah, licking um, handrails in the MTA. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. No, they're. I mean, people are people are out there rolling in it already. So, uh, as a official urinal puck advertising consultant, uh, <laughs> about to have a real renaissance. Uh, I was talking to a guy who does an agency that basically specializes in what you might call um, all of the above type advertising. Uh, they they had a website section about urinal pucks and bathroom advertising. Um, I was inquiring for the podcast. There will be an ad week again. Um, and imagine just some toilet advertising from Bad Impressions. I mean, uh, I always used to look at those ads in the Walters bathroom and think, wow, we could get a high share of voice in here. Oh, the ba- the Walters bathroom ads? Yeah. Like, no, ba- bathroom ads are big. Some people look at their phone, but other people, I mean, Jonas and Lucas, I think both, I remember them especially being like, if you just mentioned like being near a bathroom and looking at your phone, they were like, you're a human pig. Like you wallow in filth. There are those people who are like, you take your phone out in the bathroom, like is the most disgusting thing. So for those people, there will always be the Walter's bathroom advertisements, highly effective, highly memorable. But I think that's a good call out. I think I think out of home is definitely going to be massively back. Yeah, David, I, what's your number one ad trend for twenty twenty one? 
Yeah, I think it'll just be a, a lot of uh, doubling down on, on whatever first-party data um, and, and whether that's just using it as a suppression tool, um, you know, in terms of making sure that they're, while they're, they're targeting everything, maybe very interest-based uh, that the, the platform's going to allow. Like, are they making sure that they're either communicating to new customers differently than their existing customers or are they, you know, valuing them different based upon the outcome like so i i think that there's going to be a, a lot of coming back to like everyone's going to like circle the wagons and they're going to under, fully understand what data they can use what they can't um and they're hopefully going to start modifying their you know their, their campaigns their kpis and stuff just based off of what they can what they can and can't do interesting my thing is I think O&O websites are coming back. I think having your own website and actually using it um, is I, – I think a lot of the – everything going on and backlash against varying platforms and things. Um, I think – I think so, that's a – Go ahead. That's a really good point. Um, it just in terms of like – how many companies are comfortable with with selling their stuff on on Amazon and then losing the visibility on who their customer is? A hundred percent. I think something that that happened before this, and it's funny because I was talking to someone this week who I was in days of yore, also on a podcast with, not that we were doing, but on someone else's podcast, talking about like Amazon strategy and how like that's how we're talking about. There's like there's two kinds of of people who advertise or sell on Amazon uh, and are happy or not happy with it. There's all the people who have a differentiated offering of their best stuff that they don't sell on Amazon who are like pretty comfortable and happy with their Amazon relationship. And there's people who what they sell on Amazon is just what they sell anywhere. And every month they have a meeting where their website's doing worse and worse. And like, but they're still, probably goaling someone in their organization on owned and operated website success and don't understand why they're not succeeding. I think with both the rise of Shopify, although I have my Shopify complaints, like I have far fewer complaints about the company and their mission in Amazon, but like, dang, feel like they could be setting people up for a little bit more success with how a default Shopify site comes out. Um, but anyway, I think I think a lot more people are going to accurately see a big opportunity to like actually sell goods themselves, especially with fulfilled by Shopify being a thing and then other other platforms launching that are like you run the whole show, we just fulfill. I I think that's a good thing and I think it'll be a good thing that people accurately see that they can do it without these major marketplaces. Um, I, I weirdly am kind of happy that Walmart is doing well in the marketplace space. I would normally never say that except like there needs to be a counterweight to Amazon. Um, it's kind of like I'm Guam and it's the Cold War, you know, <laughs> I'm like, oh, no, this one side's too powerful. Oh, yay. Another side will fight them. <laughs> like, I'm not really happy about either, but um but I think independently selling stuff yourself is going to become a bigger, better thing, especially given that like, I think more people think about margins when they think of online distribution and advertising now. 
some people are always thinking about them, but I think more organizations are founded properly with someone who's going to be like, guys, like if we're going to chop 40% of our margin off for Amazon, like how can we not do better? I feel like more people are like, I, I get it. They're Amazon, but like, how can we not do better than that? <laughs> um, so I think that's going to be a thing that'll be good for literally everyone. Because um, the never-ending war of faster and faster shipping. Uh, the other yesterday, my dad ordered something in the morning and like got it at night, and we were just like, he didn't try to do. He was just like, ordered something from Amazon like standard Prime shipping, and it just like arrived that night, and it was just like, what? <laughs> like, okay. How no, is didn't this, it didn't that bad. Yeah. How yeah. is this <laughs> even sustainable? Like, I mean, my thing. My thing, like the biggest barrier to entry, I would think is, and I, I mean, I guess I, I don't sell things online, so maybe you can work around this. But Except your dignity. <laughs> I don't know what I, yeah. I just had to try and get a shot back in after the out, out of breath gate earlier. <laughs> but I mean, I, I've only recently become an online shopper, like circa 2020, but like, I refuse to pay for shipping and I don't like Amazon. I, I don't have a prime membership, but like I have a really, really, really hard time paying for shipping. And so I feel like that's a situation where like, even as a non Amazon prime member, like I can sometimes turn and say, Hey, I could get this on Amazon. And I mean, I don't care how long it takes. And normally it takes way less than it says it's going to take, even if you don't have prime, but I don't have to pay for shipping. And that's, I think, the biggest barrier. I don't know. My dignity yeah, we, doesn't cost shipping, so I don't have to worry about that. It's funny because, like, we got to figure that out because working on some of these businesses, like, the actual cost of shipping is, like, not that expensive. Mm -hmm. um, but somehow, like, that seldom translates through in the charge if every business were just perfectly passing through the cost of shipping, like I think more people would not do like, would not be as obsessed with free shipping. Cause we all seen like the studies where it's like, this doesn't even cost that much. <laughs> like, but right. like, it's, it's like, but people it's become mandatory. Well, it's when, like, like I won't, I won't order something if it's not free shipping or on the alternative, I'm like, Oh, I have to get to a hundred dollars. Then I order a hundred dollars worth of stuff. I don't need. Well, so that's what's happening is people love to play these games because they work sometimes. So the reason that fewer people are just passing through the cost of shipping is we're now deep in this territory where like everyone knows there's this game afoot where like, I don't know, maybe a certain business that won't be mentioned that I'm affiliated with offers free shipping for slightly more than the cost of just one of their most expensive items to promote you buying two things. Don't know who it could be. Um, but like, it's funny. These games generally work. Slash, we're all having to play the game mm -hmm. of free shipping as this overvalued thing. And so we're just lost in the sauce of knowing everyone loves free shipping. Slash, trying to play games with the love of free shipping to sell people more stuff than they want. Yeah. Which makes it really hard to be someone in a room like, Wait, if it actually is only going to cost three eighty to ship an order, why not just be like shipping cost three eighty? Like, it's it's thirty four dollars. Like maybe they'll just be okay with that, <laughs> you know? Like, yeah. 
versus then all of a sudden you're getting to $50 to get the free shipping and now you've spent $55 with tax versus you actually could have spent $39 or whatever. Yeah, and there are these things that people famously, once they're adjusted them, they have trouble adjusting away from them. I think we talked about this in our Darren episode maybe, but every time I would talk to people who owned or managed the hospitality in New York about what like Danny Meyer's restaurant was doing at that time with full salary and benefits, but no tipping, they'd all say like, in theory, that's amazing and we love it and we would all love to have no gratuity restaurants where everything was baked into the cost and everyone made the same amount of money per shift hour. You know, you don't come in on a Thursday and for some reason it just no one comes in, which is weird as hell. They're like, everyone loves that. They're like, what people do not mentally adjust to is the cost on the menu. Mm. And you can even have them come in and be like, now remember everybody, like tip is included. They're like, there's no amount of communicating it you can do that will not result in people just being all over your pages. Like it's so expensive though. Like when really it's actually just the same as where they would go. That's comparable in tipping. Like I heard like five different people were like, you cannot get people out of the headspace of sticker shock at the menu. They're like, it'll take a decade of like, it'll take like 10 years of widespread fine dining with no gratuity before like, doing it doesn't cause people to be like, it's just much more expensive than a place that you know as the owner and having done comparative research, you're like, no, the average the average meal ticket cost is the same. Just like, it's not on the menu. So maybe free shipping has gotten that way. And mm-hmm. we're kind of stuck in a like, you know, stuck in a no gratuity, no love situation. Yeah. Yeah, well, I, now I wonder if we go like back in time and and think about like when prime came out and it it wasn't just free shipping, it was free two day shipping. So is it that shipping is free or is it the expedience of the two day shipping? Like what, what is, what has more uh, uh, of a power on on the consumer? Do you think? That's a great question. It's definitely factorial. You think it's free, Randy? I'll call yeah. it the great third thing that was brought up to me actually uh, a long time ago by Sabir, which is uh, shortly after they launched it and did it, what people noticed would happen when they would try to catch up and also do two-day two free shipping. A bunch of people are trying to do that and failing, and consumers realize this. And so he would always cite that another power factor of Prime was people knew that they were actually going to get it in two days. There was this whole era. I remember this where everyone said, okay, we have to do this now, but they couldn't even do it. And they would say they would do it. And then just send an email like, ah, it's going to take seven days. Um, So they also established early on a third lurking factorial of trust that you would actually get it in two days yeah i mean i i see that but at the same time like to me if i order something and the shipping is free and then they're like oh it's gonna take seven days unless it's something that i urgently need um i don't care i didn't pay for it that's fine send it to me in seven days that's fine um and i don't know if i'm just painting myself out as a cheapskate here but like i to me it's it's about the free shipping aspect of it and i know like when amazon 
messes with me, like they're going to hear it. But like other like small businesses, if it's like, oh, free shipping, three to five days. And if it doesn't come in five days, it comes in six. I'm like, that's fine. It's a small business. I don't care. Yeah, I'm I'm more interested in the speed of the delivery, not in just in terms of I, I'm impatient and there's more instant gratification and, and those kind of things, which I'm sure uh, is an element. Uh, I just want it in transit as little as possible for whatever to end up happening to it. Um, I know that you can only like return it, but it's like it's always like you got to file a claim. And, and, and honestly, this has not happened to me that many times. It's just just me being paranoid and cautious i suppose but um so i'm more interested in 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 the two two day shipping uh i don't normally do overnight because i think that price jump is is way too much uh but i sometimes when i'm ordering off not on prime um you know I'll, i'll pay for the the shipping most of the time so you're telling me that when you discovered that you bought something drop shipped uh and you discover a classic china sea freight shipping situation that is your uh we've all been there uh you see something it's not it's not uh any regular shipping guarantee on the amazon marketplace and you buy it and all of a sudden you're like next month um (laughs) yeah i know i was paying customs on this yeah yeah. um had that happen with a webcam using it right now it's very cheap um, you're pretty blurry so I know I got had on this webcam Ryan uh, I utterly had honestly we could talk about fake reviews now because that's how I got had oh gosh that's um, a whole other episode I love a good fake review oh man I can't name them because I don't want to blow up their gig but my good friend in this industry makes a very lucrative side business uh, he got one fake review offer and did it and now he's just deep in the hole of like yeah, every few nights he's just he's got products for free. He's got money coming in. He's just writing up some fake reviews. Uh, that yeah, I'm pretty sure the reason I'm I'm 99 sure this webcam model. If I went and search it now, it's probably like blocked and reported off of Amazon. But it, I mean, it's just like wow, like nine thousand five star reviews. Okay, must be good. Uh, my podcast co-hosts are seeing right now. It's not good. Well, I think it could just be your bandwidth. I think we need to close this by asking all of our listeners to not comment, but to email us with their most favorite and least favorite thing about marketing that they think is going to happen in 2021. Most and least favorite, both. Well, or Mm. it's an and or. I mean, I'm sure we have some negative Nellies and some positive Pollies listening, so... That's fair. Yeah, and if people want to go ham or long form or if you've got 23 good things or 51 bad things, put put it all in the email. Just absolutely unload. Um, and we have Sad a website. At badimpressions.online. We also have the badimpressions.online comment form you could use um, if you're so inclined or you can hop find over. us on Instagram at badimpressions.online. It's true. You can. Uh, do we have do we have any other notable handles? Twitter question mark? Uh, that's a big question mark. I couldn't really get anything going on there. <laughs> I mean I'm bad at Twitter. I've been using it for a million years and I'm not Twitter famous. Like 
<laughs> it's embarrassing. People are like, wow, you talk about Twitter a lot. Do you have like a lot? Of, are you like big on Twitter? I'm like, no. Well, absolutely you, you not. You were, but then you lost all your fake followers. That's true. I'm also on like my fourth Twitter handle, which like doesn't hurt. Um, you mean doesn't help? Yeah, sorry. Or it hurt. Yeah, no, it doesn't help. <laughs> Although my first one like was very funny, but could probably mis- be misinterpreted. So, um, sounds like leave. a new situation. Well, I, it was very funny. It was self-deprecating. The handle was at Honksford Crackersley. Um, got got a bit of a following going there. Uh, once once showed up at a, a party at, at Tulane University and discovered a follower who was like, "Dude, this is the Honksford Crackersley guy." It was uh, the closest to internet fam I've ever been. Um. Anyway, yeah, drop us your. Drop us your good and bad 2021 marketing things. Uh, do you guys have 2021 marketing resolutions, Randy and David? Anything you're trying to do? To quote, start the year in style in the fifth month of the year. But honestly, look, it feels like the beginning of the year. Come on. <laughs> no? Yeah, I don't, I don't necessarily think... I have a, a a marketing resolution. Um, I think. Yeah, I got nothing. My marketing me, resolution yeah. is to channel Nicole Parlopiano in that we have to get back to psychology in terms of marketing, and it needs to be less tied to numbers and more tied to feel and just contextual targeting. How would you know if you went too far in that direction? You personally, Randy. Um, do you think it's possible? Because you, you got rid of all the numbers. I was going to say, as a marketer or as, <laughs> a, as a consumer, I guess. As a, as a marketer. I mean, I think it it's it's a fine balance. It's, it's finding the... If you're advertising for, let's say, some sort of vegetable snack product and you're only going to like send your ads towards people who you know are looking at vegetarian forums. It's like, well, that seems a little, this is like the worst example I can think of. I thought you were asking for that. Um, But I don't know. I think to David's point, you don't know because the numbers are gone and it's kind of like a, if your ROI is down and your, your bottom line is down, maybe that's your fault. I don't know. I think maybe it's like a weird like answer to this question, but it's like if you have the point where you have to get to the point where you're asking, have we gone too far? You definitely probably already have. Um, I think that's it. No, totally. I I think there absolutely are situations where it's it's like the universe saying less of a question, more of a comment in that (laughs) if you're having to ask certain questions, it's a comment, you know? I think those do exist in life. Like, if you're like, why does it smell so bad in my bedroom or something? Like, it doesn't. That's not a real life example. It smells great in here. Uh, FYI. I feel like currently I'm having one of those. My (laughs) my t-shirt that says my bedroom doesn't smell bad is causing people to ask a lot of questions that I thought my t-shirt answered. (laughs) (laughs) 
Maybe getting there in a bedroom smells great. Um, that was just a, a bad spot you could be in. I was giving an example of where you're asking a question and the fact that you're asking a question. So maybe if you're become very confident that your marketing is doing bad and you say, but what the heck is bad about it? Yeah, maybe that's like if you have no idea like what could be wrong, maybe having that grade of question is when you know. Yeah, that like eureka moment. That yeah, whatever the opposite of eureka is. Um where you're just like everything sucks and nobody knows why. Um, <laughs> could still be a eureka moment. Is that you're figuring out that everyone sucks and you don't know why. Yeah, absolutely. Um, we elected a cat or a high school student as the mayor of our small town because it was funny. <laughs> now chaos reigns. Um, anyway. Well, Lee, I guess the, the same question to you, though. Do you have any marketing like resolutions that you're taking into, we'll say, the back half? Of uh of twenty twenty one. Yeah, you, you gotta just let it rip. Um, I, I feel like a lot of marketing has been exposed as like stupid and bad, even more so than before in the past couple years. Like, we've got the documentary about how most like influencer marketing, like even if the effects are real, the people are fake, and the worst case scenario is the inverse of that. <laughs> um. You know, we've got all the digital fraud stuff. Um, we've got just the general advertising industry being bad stuff. Uh, you know, right now, um, testing a website experience, a button on a website where instead of add to cart, it says, let's vibe, bench. Um, why wouldn't you be? Uh, you know, why, why wouldn't you be approving every campaign that seems like wildly creative, but off brand maybe, um, or uh, off brands, the wrong thing to use, but like, I, I don't know. I feel like, uh, in the back half of 2021, and I don't mean in a stupid, like, um, trying to be Wendy's way. I letting it rip is not being like, let's get a Twitter account and engage with millennials and like tweet, you know, do the side eye emoji at like, a politician or like do the sir this is a wendy's joke um not like corny ass letting it rip but you know uh really just letting it rip whatever that means for your brand um i, I just don't know why you wouldn't in the back half of 2021 um like today i actually read people on linkedin getting really excited about like the raytheon women in stem campaign and it was really hard not to comment, like, what are the women in STEM working on? What is happening to other women as a result of what is being developed by Raytheon? <laughs> like, look, if, if Raytheon is getting away with corporate good guy PR, like, go for it. <laughs> you know, like, uh, I yeah. Don't don't be as cynical as that and as cynical and horrible as that. But like, but I, what I'm saying is, if like, you know, one of the world's famous foremost makers of things that fall on people and kill them, uh, is you know, 
good guy caping out there. Uh, you know, green light the campaign that's like, one in 20 of our pizzas tastes like shit. Sorry, we're working on it. Uh, I don't know. No, no more, no more cautious no's in 2021. That's what I'm saying. Upset all your brand managers who have been at your company for a long time. Go for it. Um, if you're shot you know, girl summer, am I right? Shot girl, oh God, shot girl summer. It's the title of the forthcoming Netflix sitcom. Uh, written by two former Raytheon executives who waited tables uh, for one year, um, but starring me as them, both of them. I will be playing both of the autobiographical writers wearing different wigs, uh, serving shots in the Manhattan of uh, the mid-2000s. What a heady time. So, uh, yeah, some expect expect streaming tv ratings to take an even harder crater when uh netflix launches this as their premiere content for the fall yeah what do you think about the reports of the um uh, the the tv ratings kind of being down or, or a lot of it being stemmed to uh, you know, the smoking gun being being the oscars do, do we think that this is anything long-lasting we went through uh, a movie or, or in 2020 you... and how did that affect the Oscars? That was an argument I read recently. And I was like, this is a good point. Who cared about the Oscars in 2020 to 2021? So you're saying that because people didn't go to the theaters to see movies. And uh, there wasn't that it. much that came out. And if it did, where did you watch it? Yeah. I mean, that's Paul, playing devil's advocate. I don't watch movies anyway, so I'm going to... Hang on. Paul Schrader, <laughs> Paul Schrader had a really good interview from the perspective of him being a filmmaker. Um, great interview in general, but he was like, "Movie theaters are dead, and this will change movies, and it is already changing movies." Was his argument? Um, he's uh, there's a lot of hype around him maybe doing a thing with Scorsese in a couple years, um, but anyway. He was saying that, uh, yeah, in part of that was he was talking about the Oscars and awards, um, and he he felt that that all was somewhat tied to the world of movie theaters and movies made for theaters. Um, some really good, interesting points about just that it's so different. Even if you're watching a big theatrical production release on Netflix, like you can just pause it and go get a drink. And that means that sometimes you just pause it and you're like, Oh, I have to do something. I'll finish this later. And it's a very different thing to have that first, this big affair and big ceremony where you're going to not be on your phone and be quiet and like not get up. Um, it's different. I think. Yeah. Like the, the, the intentional, watching of, of the movie is it's just has been eroded a little bit by the availability um to pause or or to you know or even just like turn it off yeah you know, like that barrier is so much easier yeah yeah and he was saying that he thinks that inevitably has to change how movies even big theatrical production movies are because like people watch them differently and he he's old enough i mean i think his first big thing was writing taxi driver that he was like i remember when theaters changed like 
theater, the nature of movie theaters changed. And like they went from like they started as like a cheap thing you went to all the time and there were new Israels in front of them to like, oh, no, this is we don't do that anymore. It's not just it's not just a thing you walk into whenever and maybe you walk in halfway through the movie, you wait for it to finish and then you just catch the first half like on the next showing because it's constantly running. He was like movies were changed just when they went from that system. To like, no, there's like show times and there's not newsreels. He was like, he was alive when that happened. And he was like, that changed movies. That it wasn't like, just like, oh yeah, there's like three movies. They run on a loop. There's like newsreels. People come in and out. You can smoke in there. Like he was like, when it became like, oh no, there's show times. And you go to see a specific movie. You don't just quote, go to the movies. You like pick a movie and go. He was like that radically altered the content of movies and like what mm. big theatrical movies meant. And so he's like, now that we're actually more back to something like who gives a fuck, turn it on, turn it off, like watch something else in the middle. Like he was like, it's inevitably going to change. And he did mention that he was like, he doesn't think the Oscars are necessarily super well built to adapt quickly to, um, and he's all in on the new stuff. He was saying that if he did this thing with Scorsese, I think he was saying they'd probably do it on Netflix. But he was saying it just is clearly different to him as an old guy who has seen decades of, of movie consumption culture and all that. What was the Oscars yeah, thing? Were just ratings awful? I don't even know. Yeah. Um, yeah, ratings were pretty bad. I only saw Sound of Metal. Of all the Best Picture nominees, honestly. Which I thought was great, FYI. Lee's Movie Corner section of the podcast. Uh, sound of Metal, very good. Not just saying that because it seems to be pretty clearly based on the Athens, Georgia-based doom metal band Jucifer. Um, but yeah, good good movie. I know it won for sound editing. And I think, I think editing in general, right? Um, yeah, I'm not sure, uh, but I, I definitely want it. Definitely won sound editing. Um, you but guys, yeah, just here's the numbers. See that? Oh, sorry, no. It's on my list. Sound of Metal, super good. It's just a good movie, Randy. It's not just about metal. It was very popular, and a lot of people thought it was a front runner to win Best Picture. So I don't think I saw. Any movies in 2020. Uh, well, apparently everyone I know who saw Nomadland was like, it was just the most like, okay, sure, that movie. You know what movie yeah. I did watch in, well, I might have watched it in 2021, but it was a 2020 movie that I thought was good. Airbud 15? No, I wish. Coming next year. Um, Soul. I heard those. No, really Soul's good. fantastic. Yeah. It was I, really I didn't, didn't Trent Reznor and Atticus Ross also win... Soundtrack, yeah, with John, with John Batiste, yeah, yeah, John Batiste, yeah, John Batiste, which brings me back to the early Chase days when there was John. Oh, that's right. He was one of the masters of the Mm -hmm. the mastery thing, like Serena Williams, John Batiste, Uh, Trent Reznor, and Atticus Ross, just as a duo, have done a ton of good soundtracks. Otherwise, I know of so. Um. Yeah. I, and there you have Randy's movie corner. So sorry, what were the Oscar numbers, David? 
Oh, well, the so about a decade ago, uh, they were getting about 40 million viewers. Uh, last year, they got 23.6 million viewers. This year, they got 10.4 million. Mm-hmm. So I guess the, the question is, is this just a microcosm just for the Oscars? Or is this also maybe indicative of larger TV viewing habits, those kind of things, at all, et cetera, et cetera? I would have to see more general movie consumption data, but I think it would be tough to aggregate. All I got to say is I think feature films are down bad as the demographic who are causing them to be down bad would say. Um, I, everything I've seen on feature film consumption, the younger you get, just the worse it is. Uh, even age cohort compared. So I, I don't know if they have a good aggregation of total feature film consumption for all of the U.S. because it's on all these platforms now. And so box office. Well, obviously box office this past two years, you can't go by. Yeah. Um, I don't know. But I feel like feature film consumption is total percent of people's time is down. But again, I don't know who has that data. Would you still buy product placement in a feature film? If you were given the opportunity. I mean, how that's such a, that's such a situational. Yeah. There's no variables here. I'm just saying, would you, maybe the answer the question is, would you ever? Yeah. I mean, I think, uh, the fact that lucky strike on Mad Men, which is a dead brand was a huge mistake. Hey, uh, fire everyone at Altria. For not making that one of the existing legacy brands. Like, come on. You, you mm-hmm. Don Draper smoking camels. <sighs> like, uh, we, we'd be burying 50,000 more people this year. You know, get it together. Tobacco industry. Um, <laughs> whatever. I, I ripped some, rip some of the non-wacky tobacco. I, I jested myself as well, but... Yeah, no, I think product placement is huge. I think super interesting things I wish I were more involved with, dynamic stitching of product placement into video games and TV shows. It's like such a reality. As as uh, as reality fades and fake, you know, and created realities uh, occupy more and more of people's time, absolutely fucking inevitable. That I, I here's my prediction. By 2030, virtual digital out of home will surpass digital out of home. There. There's my my Gary Vaynerchuk insane thing that won't happen, but no one will remember that I said it. And if it does happen, then I get to, like, be a VC at one of those, like, dark tower firms. Uh, In virtual world, digital out of home, or digital in home out of home, uh... We'll surpass real world digital out of home. That's 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 least stone cold lock of the century to forget immediately. And with that, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, uh, you heard it here first. Uh, start start buying your D O O H in your M M O R P G S or M M O R P G S, technical industry term.
Ta-da!